You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. Thank you. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi. You all right? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good, good. Um, Trusty notes. She's well prepared, which is a, which is a good thing. <laughs> we've we've both been part of this. We've done this enneagram thing. I thought you but you thought you were a type one, that you had something on your desk, which I pretty much is one of my mantras as well. Yeah, um, <laughs> done is better than perfect. <laughs> and when we did some one of the evenings about the enneagram, one of the uh, kind of mantras that Andy suggested for a one was done is better than perfect, and that's what I have on my laptop. So, yeah. I'm a one. I, I still need to learn that. If you have no idea what the Enneagram is, come and chat to me afterwards and I'll explain. It too long to explain. But, um, brilliant. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be great just to start off by just hearing a bit about you for maybe those that, that don't know. Tell us whatever you, you'd like to. Yeah, okay. So um, I was born in Hull, um, and, uh, but I grew up in Hertfordshire, which you can probably tell by my accent. I didn't grow up in Hull. Um, uh, I'm one of four siblings. Um, I went to uni in um, Bradford, so I went back up north again, and then I and I studied languages, French and German, and then I went back to London. I worked in London for a few years, and then I came to Bath, and Bath is definitely home. I've been here for over 30 years, so um, I don't have children, but I do have um, five much-loved nephews and nieces. Uh, I also have a, a little squad of great nephews and nieces, and I also, for my sins, have seven godchildren, so... <laughs> Whoa. The bar's been set, people. Anyone, anyone got more godchildren than seven? Oh! <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. That doesn't count. She still wins. <laughs> um, great. And we're sort of focusing... Well, we talk about other things, won't we, but, um, as well, but we're, we're thinking a bit about spiritual direction. So, yeah, what, what is that for maybe people that have not heard that term before or don't, don't know what it is? Yeah, so um, I did reflect about this a bit because I think the term spiritual direction is a bit of a tricky one, really. It sounds like somebody's going to tell you what to do and it's nothing could be further from the truth, really. Um, I think when spiritual direction first started... Back, if you go back to the desert, fathers and mothers, I think that's when it's kind of first something that was recognised. People did go uh, to them and then to priests and nuns and monks to be told what to do, what to read, how to pray, how to live their lives, how to stay on the path. But that definitely isn't how it works these days. And I think it's generally accepted that much better terms are things like spiritual accompaniment or spiritual companionship. Or um, John O'Donoghue has a wonderful word, um, anamkara, which is a Gaelic term for soul friend. So really, spiritual direction is about somebody coming alongside you to help you reflect on and notice the movement of God in your life. I think that's really what it's about. Any aspect of your life at all is relevant for spiritual direction. And I've got a slide, actually, um, if we could put it up which I, I came across this diagram and I just thought it was a really helpful way of understanding spiritual direction because it's about the triangle um, between God, the director and the directee. Um, and so there's a relationship. There has to be a strong relationship between the director and God. That's really important. So as a spiritual director, you know, one of my um, 
responsibilities is to make sure that I keep my own relationship with God alive. Um, and then there's clearly a relationship between the directee and God. That may be at any stage on the journey. You know, you can do spiritual direction with people who haven't made a decision about a faith, haven't found their way to a particular faith, but are on a spiritual journey. Right through to people who are, you know, very, very experienced um, and people whose whole lives is about their faith, vicars and curates and all sorts of people. Um, and then there's a relationship between the director and the directee, and that's a relationship of trust and confidentiality. And when you come to spiritual direction, you should, be, you should feel heard, you should feel accepted, there should be no judgment and no expectations either. Um, so there's a relationship there. But the focus of what you do together is that arrow across the middle. So the focus is entirely on the relationship between God and the directee. And that's really what spiritual direction is all about. Wow, okay. Um, <laughs> so maybe like get sort of to help people imagine it, how, so like how often do you maybe see um, a spiritual director and what does a, a sort of typical session look like? Yeah, okay. You might be just holding it a bit closer to your... Oh, sorry, can you hear me okay? I, was, I thought it was kind of bouncing back, but yeah. Um, I want to say, first of all, I think that there isn't really such a thing as a typical session because every spiritual director is unique. They come with their own style, their own preference and personality, their own life experience, their own faith journey, and so does the directee. So in a sense, it is unique, but of course there is a sort of typical approach. Um, and... Typically, you meet together for an hour, generally in the director's home, but it, these days it can be online or somewhere else that's agreed. Um, it's for, for an hour, typically. Um, and it's absolutely your time as the directee. You can bring anything to that space that you want to. Um, questions, doubts, fears, concerns, things that are happening in your life... Um, things that are shifting. The director will always be looking for things that are stirring or moving you or troubling you because those are often the, the things that you might want to explore. Um, you can bring scripture or poetry that's speaking to you or maybe a, a painting that you've done, a dream that you've had, some writing you're doing of your own. Any of those things might be relevant to bring to spiritual direction. Um, and in terms of the frequency of meeting again you know typically it would be probably every couple of months but some people it's every six weeks some people it's every three months so you know there is there's a lot of flexibility because really it's all about you um and, and i think as well it's worth saying you know there are similarities between spiritual direction and say mentoring or counseling or coaching you know all of those things seem to sort of fall into the same bucket but actually I'd say that the difference with spiritual direction is that it's all about how the spirit is moving in your life and that's where the focus is so yeah don't know if that helps yeah no that's that's really <laughs> helpful yeah I think so thank you um yeah I imagine it must be really fascinating being a spiritual director and you know interacting with different people and so yeah it'd be great to hear what are some of the things that you've learned through through being a spiritual director Gosh, yeah. I mean, you do learn a lot. You learn a lot about yourself. Um, 
one of the things that's really important is that after every session you sit and reflect for a little while and not so much on the directee but actually on you know what has that brought up for you so you do learn about yourself um, your strengths and your weaknesses <laughs> um, you learn a lot about God I, you know that he is you know there's that, that lovely um, phrase about you know a bruised reed um, he'll never um, it's kind of escaped me now, isn't that ridiculous? But, you know, he won't hurt a bruised reed and he won't um, put snuff out a, a smouldering wick. And there's such kindness and gentleness and graciousness in God. And I think, you know, I'm reminded of that every time I meet again with somebody. But I think more than anything you learn about people and to never make assumptions about people because they will always, always surprise you in, you know, Amazing ways. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. And that never stops, I guess, does it? Like that learning, I think it's kind of, there's always... It never stops. And in a way, I think if it does, then that's the time to stop being a spiritual director. Because, you know, gosh, I hope it doesn't sound overly pious or anything, but actually it's not about me. In a way, you are a spiritual director in that you're directing people to the Holy Spirit. And so as soon as you think you can do it in your own strength, actually, that's time to stop. Yeah. You said about, I find it odd that it's called spiritual direction when that's not really what, is there any, you might not know the answer, but where <laughs> did that come from? You know, that sense of why has it been called spiritual direction when actually it's more, would, it, would you say it's more about, sounds to me like it's more about guiding or... Yeah, or not even or guiding, I think just accompanying. Yeah. Because, you know, if you think about what spiritual direction is, it's really deep listening. And somebody wise once said that every, what everybody needs is a jolly good listening to. And I think that's really true. How often do, do we have space where we can really be listened to? Um, and, the, and the spiritual director is not just listening this way, but this way as well. So, you know, listening and noticing is what it's all about, not, definitely not directing. There might be some guiding because a spiritual director may offer you, um, they might offer you a book to read or um, they might suggest you try a new way of praying um, or they might suggest that instead of trying to sit down and pray, you go out for a walk or, you know, so they might offer you things, but always that should be with a really light touch so that you can say, actually, no, you know, that's not for me. And, and there should be no sense of them checking out, well, did you read that book I gave you? So, um, but I think, I think it is called, I like to think it's called spiritual direction because it is that idea of directing you to, back towards God, directing you to notice the movement of God in your life. Yeah, mm. I like that. I do like that because I've, I've always like wobbled a bit over the term. Mm, like, it's not I don't good, want someone to direct me spiritually. Like it feels I, really controlling and weird. I, I did try for a while to use the term spiritual accompaniment, um, which I like. But as soon as you start saying spiritual accompanier and spiritual accompany or whatever, <laughs> you start to realise why maybe spiritual direction is kind of easier. Not as catchy. Mm. It's not as catchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
yeah and what what are some of the for you like there must be kind of themes or questions or things that kind of just repeatedly come up despite you know who, whether whatever whoever it is that's in front of you it'd be great yeah to hear more about and actually that. for the first time i am going to look at my notes because i did think about this and thought yeah there are themes that come out and i'm going to find them because um they're not coming to me off the top of my head um it sounds like for you almost that like you said there's that reminder of God's grace for people and like the kind of kindness and almost like for you that's that feels like something that's a repeated thing even if it's not a theme necessarily of what people are bringing up it feels like that's yeah a key thing. and and I think that is in response partly to a theme that people do bring up which is you know a sense of guilt a sense of shame um a strong sense of could do better you know and and for a lot of people, their image of who God is is shifting and changing. Um, and, and a lot of people want to be reassured that that's okay, actually. That the way they do church might be changing, the way they pray might be changing. Um, and, uh, and sometimes people need reassurance. But I think underlying what goes on in spiritual direction is often sort of the big questions about life. You know, who am I? Who is God? Um, what does God really think of me? Um, where's God gone sometimes? You know, I can't, I can't find God anymore. Um, yeah, I think those sort of big questions often are underlying what, what people bring to spiritual direction. So sometimes the sort of big, the big questions of, of things that maybe people can't necessarily talk about freely in other places yeah, as well. Yeah, that it's not easy to find someone to talk yeah, to. Yeah. But it, equally, it can be just the, the ordinary things of life um, that we all deal with, you know, um, coping with small children at home on your own or, um, you know, managing elderly parents or actually even managing both at the same time or, you know, a change of job or you know, coming to the end of the road with a job, being bored and not knowing what to do, making a change, relationships. Yeah, just the, the stuff of life. Yeah. And you spoke about that sense of guilt and shame that people sometimes come with. Is that always over, like, yeah, like not, you know, not being good enough with God or not spending enough time with God? Or is it that, is it that sort of thing that provokes guilt and shame in people? It can be. I mean, we can be really hard on ourselves, can't we, if we're not meeting the ideal or what we see as the ideal for um, how our relationship with God should be. Um, but there's many reasons why we are burdened with guilt and shame, aren't there? Um, yeah. yeah. I think I was sort of wondering if... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're... we're um, like you said, we're hard on ourselves. And sometimes a lot of what people will say to me as a church leader is, is like, you know, that, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not very good at praying or I'm not very good at reading my Bible. I don't do it often enough. I should pray more. And it's like that sense of, you know, like God's this big, mean, dictated guy with a stick sort of going, do better. Like, you know, <laughs> that we sometimes have this image of God always thinking that we're not doing enough or not yeah. not kind of meeting with him enough when I think sometimes something that's been really freeing for me is sort of almost not that it's not about uh, you know and yes there are times to be intentional about you know 
having time aside and with God and we see Jesus doing that and leaving what was going on and, and having time just with God but I do think yeah what's been fruitful for me is almost recognizing where God is already at work in the midst of all the stuff that I perceive as what's getting in the way yeah. <laughs> you know like oh I'm so busy and I can't spend time with God and actually rather than sort of feel guilty about that it's about going okay well where where God might be at work already in those things and present with me in that and it's about experiencing mm. that rather than um, yeah, sort of necessarily it has to be this kind of separate time. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, that was a big shift for me in, in my faith journey when I discovered Ignatian spirituality. And one of the key ideas behind Ignatian spirituality is that sense that God is in everything. And so that means, a bit like Brother Lawrence, if you've come across him, if you're doing the washing up, you know, actually, if you have the eyes to see if you notice god is present with you then um you know and, and i found that very um freeing actually very liberating and um um very encouraging mm. yeah so you've got to all try that later okay when you're doing the washing up or, or loading <laughs> the dishwasher whatever the equivalent is <laughs> yeah okay um, and yeah, you know, we, we spoke about the Enneagram and, and as part of Oasis recently, we've been looking a bit about the Enneagram and um, uh, it's a sort of a tool really for understanding it kind of um, yeah, has these like nine uh, personality types is a bit of a, a wrong, wrong phrase really. But yeah, that, that sense of us, uh, where we get our motivations and drivers from and for some, some people have been exploring that in, in more detail, but um, maybe thinking about personality and preference. Um, yeah, how do... How does that sort of play a part, do you think, in how we experience God? Yeah, I mean, clearly it plays a huge part because I guess if we asked everybody here, probably everyone would say they experience God in different ways. Um, I think for myself, so studying something like the Enneagram can really um, help you be a, bit, be a bit more aware. And um, I realised that um, as a one the place that I go to, um, you know, that's the most full of life, full of health, um, vibrant, is actually silence, which sounds a bit odd, but for me, that, that's where I go. And I've just recently been on retreat for a week um, in the Breckens. Beautiful nature, lovely walks, bird life, solitude, silence. And for me, that is absolutely the place where I go to meet with God. Um, but for somebody else, um, if I think about, you know, I'm an introvert, so, you know, that, again, that has a part to play. For other people, it, will, it might be um, full-on worship, singing. Um, it might be movement, you know, embodied ways of praying, dance. Um, for somebody else, it might be they really need to use their hands um, in order to pray. Working with clay can be wonderful, for example. So we are really... I mean, I love the fact that we are really unique, that God has made us unique. And yet together, I think it's only then when we come together that we begin to reflect something of the vastness of God. You know, that's the joy of all being so different, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think for me, one of the really important things about being in community that often 
it's, you know, when someone else gives you permission to experience God in a different way, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, actually, it isn't just about doing it in this one way, and if this, that, this way doesn't work for me, that's okay, because that's, that's actually true for, for all of us, isn't it? And yeah. sometimes I think we retreat off into our own, you know, think that it's only us that thinks these things or struggles with that or doesn't meet God in that way, when actually we find that everybody kind of is maybe asking the same questions or, mm. yeah, and that, that there is that difference and that permission to experience God differently, and I think he, he quite likes that. You know, I just imagine God just because there's like a playful sort of side yeah. to God, isn't there? Like yeah. a, you know, the, almost just the, the challenge and the fun of experiencing us in all our weirdness and, and interests and the things that we do to either retreat from others or run into the arms of others that God's there in all of that and can meet us in lots of different ways. I think it's quite exciting, isn't it? And freeing, I think. It mm. is. And, and sometimes actually it's really interesting and, and, and playful, as you were saying, to actually try prayer um, in a way that isn't particularly comfortable to you, but actually to push your boundaries a bit and try um, prayer in a way that perhaps you can see somebody else finds really helpful. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Interesting. And important to be open to that, isn't it? Of, yeah. of maybe trying something that we've not before, a different mm. way of praying or, mm. yeah. Dance is definitely not the way that I experience <laughs> God. So don't worry, everyone. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna experiment with that one just yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Interpretive dance coming soon. Oasis <laughs> Um Great. And then, uh, yeah. What would you? What would you advise? I guess for people that are struggling to sort of connect with God or hear from God or pray. I mean, you said maybe sometimes people come to you with that question of mm. like, where is God? Or mm. and for lots of us, there'll be times where it just feels like we can't we can't hear God or we can't experience God. So what would you sort of advise to somebody that came to you with that problem or that question? Mm. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is that's a very lonely place to be, um, you know, and um, you're not alone. You know, I think, I think that is a normal part of the spiritual journey is that there are times when we feel really cut off from God. Um, and I think I would say find somebody that you can talk to about it. Because if you can't talk to God, um, you know, he's given us one another, hasn't he? So find someone that you can talk to about it. And, you know, don't be afraid to ask people to support you in prayer. Because I think of that picture of Moses, you know, when his, he had people to hold his arms up for him because he could no longer do it for himself. So I think to find some support um, is really important. And... Um, yeah, maybe think back to a time where you felt really close to God and what helped you, um, and maybe try go to go back there um, to do the things that that helped you at that time. And you know, I guess what I'd say is maybe find a spiritual director. <laughs> She's not on commission. Don't, don't worry. Cool. And then, um, I mean, I yeah, I I imagine that like. When I, I've had the same spiritual director for about 10 years, but when I sort of, when I kind of looked into, I was a bit cynical at first, Elizabeth, I've got to be, saying, I've, I've got to be honest. And, uh, but it was like something that I was told to be a good thing. And, you know, as a type one, I wanted to do the right thing. So I was like, yes, I, I should have a spiritual director, so I shall go and find one. <laughs> and it was like this really like mystical, you know, like how do you find a spiritual director? So I was like, oh, what do I do? Do I Google it? And then someone told me that there was like, there's, the, there's a woman in Canesham <laughs> and you will go and see the woman and she will tell you where you will go and I was like okay so I made this appointment with this woman and she like she was quite 
oracle-like, you know, was, there was a candle and, <laughs> and it was quite scary. It was, like, it was like a sort of mafia, like underworld of spiritual directors, but the only way to like find one was to go through the woman in Cainsham with the candle. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure it's not always as, <laughs> as mafia as that, but how do we kind of, <laughs> to demystify that, how, you know, if you're thinking about finding a spiritual director, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, so... There, there are a couple of people um, who can help you with that. The woman in Canesham. <laughs> there is the woman in Canesham, yeah, who is my supervisor, actually. <laughs> oh, no, don't tell her. <laughs> hmm. um, uh, and then there's also uh, another lady called Katrina, who's part of the... Um, I can't, she's the bishop's advisor for spiritual direction ministry or something like that. Um, so there are a couple of people that you can contact. Um, Hopefully it doesn't need to be scary. Uh, but it wasn't I mean, do scary. You, you know, there are, there's lots of things you can read as well. Um, you know, I've got a few kind of leaflets on spiritual direction if you want a bit more of an idea of what it's about. And also to think a bit about what it is you're looking for um, as well beforehand um, so that you're, you're a bit prepared. So I would say, yeah, have a chat. Jo has a spiritual director, so she can chat to you about it or have a chat with me. And, um, and we can put you in touch with um, the people who can set you on the right path. But, never, but you need never, ever feel that if you're put in touch with somebody and you meet them, that somehow you're obligated for that person to become your spiritual director. It's always a very lightly held relationship from the director's perspective. So if you meet someone and you just don't feel they're right, that's fine. Then you meet somebody else. And, uh, you know, I currently have a spiritual director who I love, but it, she's the third one I met. I met two people beforehand and just didn't feel they were right. So, yeah, it's, it's designed to be very flexible, very open, and very geared to your needs. Mm. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I was, I was given sort of two people to go and, go and contact, and although I did feel a bit like when I saw one, then I was like, yeah, I'll be in touch Maybe, or maybe not, depending on how the next one goes. <laughs> and I was like, I felt like I was being mean. I'm like, I'm not going to pick you, but I don't know how to tell you that. But yeah, there was like just, I think, having the permission to go. It's not about, it's just about somebody that you connect with. And if it isn't that person, there'll be somebody else. And yeah, um, yeah it's good to have those options because it's got to be right, hasn't it? And, mm. and it might be that you, you know, you need to actually try it for a few sessions. And then sort of after a while, you you know, you can make a decision then. Can, it might not work or you might think it's going to work and then it doesn't. And But like you said, it's it's good that it's held lightly and there's no obligation to mm. sort of carry on forever. Yeah. And, and review is a natural part of the process. So after three sessions, you would always have a review anyway, where you're both, you know, able to say how you think it's going and whether you want to carry on. And then after that, you probably do a, a review every year or so, just, you know. Um, and then final question for me. What do you, like... What do you do to become a spiritual director? Like, do you, is there like a qualification or like what is that? Just because I think that might be interesting for people to know. There, there is training. Absolutely, there is training. Um, so um, I did my training with the Diocese of Bath and Wells, and it was it, it's actually a two-year training, um, but I only did a year because I'd done the thirty days spiritual exercises, and I think they kind of thought they could let me off the first year, which was kind of them. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I wanted to get on with it. Um, yeah, so there is, there is training. And also there's a movement at the moment to try and make it a, a more um, 
not regulated, it's not quite the right word, but you do have to be DBS checked and, you know, all that sort of thing. So it is, there is a certain formality um, behind it. Mm. And that's, that's actually helpful for people to, yeah. know, to f- know that they can feel yeah. safe in that. Yeah, yeah that and you, you have to have your own spiritual director. You also have to have supervision in the way that people who are doing counselling or mentoring, for example, have to do. So there is, you know, that safeguarding around it. Mm. Brilliant. Great. All right, well, part of Safe Sunday is that we'd love to just, um, yeah, open up the, the floor, if you like, and just um, take some questions from people. So w- the way that we do that is um, just because sometimes people don't always like shouting things out <laughs> in a group of people. So on your table, you see some pens and some small bits of paper. So if you have a question for Elizabeth, um, what we'll do is we'll take sort of a five, ten minute break now just to allow people to get drinks and things. But um, do you write down your question on that piece of paper. And if you just come and pop it up on the step here, um, and then in about ten minutes time, we'll, we'll come back and we'll, uh, yeah ask Elizabeth to answer your questions if she can and if she wants to <laughs> um, so yeah um, but do discuss it as well and you know it might be that in the conversations with others you you think of things that oh you know I'd like her to say a bit more about that or or ask that um yeah so do discuss it with people on the tables as well and we'll be back um yeah in about five ten minutes time but I'll give you a two minute warning all right great welcome back some great questions good work everyone um <laughs> nothing nothing too too difficult, hopefully, for Elizabeth. Um, so, yeah, thank you for these. If we don't manage to get through all of them, then uh, do come and speak to me or Elizabeth. Obviously, at the end, I'm sure that Elizabeth would be prepared to, <laughs> to ask any. We might not have time for but obviously we'll get through as many as we can. So, uh, Brilliant. So, first of all, who shouldn't have a spiritual director? That's <laughs> <laughs> a great question. Um, I mean, in the widest sense, there isn't anyone who shouldn't have spiritual direction, but if you don't feel a calling to it or you don't want to go and be honest about what's happening for you in a spiritual sense, then maybe, you know, it's not the right moment for you. Yeah. Yeah. So almost open to everybody, but if you don't feel called yeah. to or it's particularly for you, then yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, do you have to have a spiritual director of the same gender? No. No, you don't. Um, having said that, I think probably... 75% or more of spiritual directors are women. So um, that kind of answers the question mm. to a certain extent, doesn't it? Um, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it is. That's a whole other conversation, isn't There's it? There's a really, question there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, maybe we'll come back to that if we've got time, but we'll <laughs> prioritise people's questions. Um, okay, so how would you deal with... I think maybe that sounds for someone that had an occult or mental health or difficult background... Yeah, I think um, know your limitations is the answer to that, really. And obviously, with permission, um, I would either refer somebody on or, or point them to the right resources. That That's, I think, outside the remit of spiritual direction. Yeah, So I get, and I guess it would depend on what the particular thing is. Yeah. I gave some examples there, but you might refer to different places based on different. But yeah. is that something that your supervisor or your... Yeah, would, do they kind of equip you with sort of where to go if people bring up certain things? Or? Yeah, I mean, everything is confidential. Mm-hmm. So you don't take an individual to your supervisor, but obviously that is somewhere you can go. There's a whole hierarchy of people that you can go to if you think that um, there's a situation where there's more, there's a different type of help, more significant help needed. Okay. 
Um, and can you become a spiritual director to people that you know, or like in counselling, do you have to sort of have boundary relationships which would prevent that? On the whole, it's absolutely boundaried relationships, and you wouldn't. So I wouldn't do spiritual direction within the Oasis community, for example. Um, you know, it's really important that as a directee, you can go to your director um, and know that they are outside your normal circle so that you can feel free to bring anything that you want to bring. So those sort of boundaries are really important. Mm. And I guess important for you as well, you know, to have a sense of, like, your own... I don't know, it might be if there's someone in, that's in your church that's your directee, whether that affects your own ability to kind of, yeah, be part of the community To be fully yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So because it is a very specific type of relationship. You know, we talked about it being a soul friendship, and that's a good way of describing it, but it isn't a friendship, you know in the normal way of friendships where it's a two-way um a two-way process yeah. yeah yeah that makes sense yeah okay and then we had a couple of similar questions um around uh, sort of how do you differentiate between something that is spiritual direction and something that falls into a counseling category and there's a second question that says are you a trained counselor too um so yeah maybe the first the second one might be a quick one to answer and then perhaps go into the different what's the difference yeah. between the two yeah no i'm i'm not a trained counselor um there are people who are spiritual directors who are trained counselors and there are also people who are spiritual directors who are coaches and you know so there is sometimes an overlap like that in training um uh but you don't need that and there is a very clear difference i think Usually you go to counselling because you've got an issue, um, something in your life that you want to address, and um, you may go to counselling for a period of time to work through that with somebody. Um, spiritual direction is not like that. Jo mentioned she's been going to the same spiritual director for 10 years. Um, so it's very different because you are... You're, you're bringing to spiritual direction whatever is happening in your life... Um, but through the lens of your spiritual journey, really. Um, and sometimes in spiritual direction, it may be that something comes up that maybe does require counselling, and that would be something that I would discuss with my directee and you know, maybe point them in that direction. But I think there are very clear differences. Yeah. Yeah, almost that like in, in a session something might come up, but then that's the point where perhaps that needs to be explored in another relationship that isn't a kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, spiritual yeah. director one, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, when it comes to the big questions, uh, do you have some <laughs> set answers or is every case different even if the question is similar? Hmm. That's a good question, isn't it? Um, well, absolutely no set answers. In fact, I don't necessarily have the answers. Um, and I think the real gift of spiritual direction is not about answers, actually. It's about questions. So, um, really, the director is there to ask questions that will help you to find the answers for yourself. So, there's no easy way, is there, with some of these big questions. We have to live the questions, really, don't we? So, um, yeah, definitely no set answers. <laughs> I wonder if on the set answers thing, like I know you're probably not sat there like with a script, you know, like in a call centre, like pick your answer. But um, is there is there are there some things that you find yourself saying again and again? It's probably coming back yeah. to the kind of themes thing, yeah. isn't it? But I wonder yeah, if there I are things that you find yourself saying. And, and probably 
what it comes back to, I think, over and over again is the kindness of God. Is reminding people that they are loved. Um, and I'm amazed over and over again at how people blossom when they know they're loved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that is, in a sense, the answer to everything. Yeah. Right, well, that's, just, that's it. I'm done. Like, I don't think we can we can better that. Um, yeah, amazing. Okay, um, and yeah, another great question is what's um, something I want to look into a bit more as well. Actually, so what's a good way to learn more about Ignatian spirituality, and is there a, is there a way of sort of saying what that is? Or yeah, I mean, a good way of learning is to go and do the thirty days silent retreat at uh, St Bino's. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe I'll give that some no. thought. No, um, so um, St. Binos do have um, a website and there's lots of information about Ignatian spirituality there. Um, actually, a really lovely way into Ignatian spirituality is the prayer of examine, the prayer of, of review of the day, um, where you kind of reflect back on your day and think about where was God present, what gave you life, and also... Um, what drained you of life? Uh, there's lots of different ways of asking those questions, but that is, that's part of Ignatian spirituality. And it's really accessible and really helps you to be in a space where you start to notice God in your life. Um, so that's a good way in. Yeah, okay. Mm. And I think we mentioned that we're going to put together a little, uh, I say we, I mean probably you, <laughs> we'll put together a bit <laughs> of a fact sheet yeah. um, that might have some yeah. some links on it and things. So maybe we could include the St. Binos yeah. link in there. Yeah, yeah just um, any other places for people to go to find out more about Ignatian spirituality, yeah. that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Um, brilliant. And then how much does spiritual direction cost? So is it a profession or is it voluntary or unpaid? Um, so, um, it's a good question to ask always if you're thinking about um, having a spiritual director. Um, each spiritual director actually can either choose to do it voluntarily, free of charge, or to ask for a contribution. So, I've never come across a spiritual director who has a fixed charge, um, but they might, you know, they might be retired, for example, and not have um, another form of income. And they may ask for a contribution and they will give you a guidance, guidelines about what that contribution might be depending on, you know, your own circumstances. And then they'll leave it to you. So typically, um, it's somewhere, they would probably ask for a contribution of somewhere between 20 and £30 pounds for an hour. If they ask for a contribution, often it is free of charge. So I don't pay for mine, but I contribute every year to my spiritual director's training. Um, so like once a year, she picks a training course and I pay for that basically. Mm. And that's kind of an agreement between us. Um, yeah. So it kind of works differently, doesn't yeah. it, for each person? So yeah, yeah good. Al always a question to ask at the beginning, isn't it, if you're exploring with that? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've got one more question, which I'm just going to throw at you. I wondered, like, I was thinking, you know, for some people, some people today might be like, yeah, I'm going to go and get me a spiritual director. That sounds great. And for others, they might think, oh, that's not really for me at the moment or just practically can't make that work. But for us as a sort of church community, you know, I find that, like, you know, we're all hopefully, aren't we, directors to each other. I know that there's a, obviously a, a training and a very specific process and a set of skills. I'm not saying we're all spiritual directors, but I wonder if there are, like, what are some of the things that we can, like, be doing 
to help each other as a community mm. to help maybe point out where God might be at work and are there sort of things that you think would be good for us to sort of be mindful of and be doing for each other if spiritual direction isn't something we can do right now? Hmm. I'm going to come back to listening, I think. You know, really, really listen to somebody. Um, put your phone down. <laughs> um, Try to switch off that bit of your brain that's going, oh, yeah, as soon as they stop, I'm going to say this. Um, you know, because we all do it, don't we? Caris is laughing, but, I mean, we do all do it. Yeah. And even if it's just for five minutes, or, or, or maybe even, you know, sit down with, with a friend and get a timer and give each other five minutes. You'll be amazed how long it'll feel. And really, really listen to that person for five minutes. And I think that's a great gift that we yeah. can all give each other. Yeah, mm. I love that. Um, I quite often try like asking two questions before making a statement, like in response. Like if someone mm. says something, I make myself ask them two more questions. And it's that sense of mm. really feeling um, like you're listening, but they feel heard. I think if, mm. you're, if you're wanting to kind of ask a bit more, or that's quite a good little tool just to mm. sort of practice and... You know, sometimes, sometimes someone's saying something and you feel like, oh, this thing happened to me that's really similar to that and you can want to kind of jump yeah. right in. And I, I find myself kind of, even if there's an experience that you resonate with or something you want to say or an opinion you want to give, having those two questions before you do that often just leads the conversations in all kinds of places. I like and that. Yeah, 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 yeah that's, that's great. Yeah. And, and not saying, um, oh, I know exactly how you feel <laughs> because this happened to me. Yeah. yeah, we all do it, don't we? Definitely, yeah. So yeah, some of those Two listening skills. I like and it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think there's something about just like not being afraid to be more like intentional about bringing God into the conversation, not in a really lame, cheesy way, but like mm. you know, just sometimes we talk, we spend a lot of time talking about our weeks and how things are, and the you know, but actually, what's you know, how can we not like maybe not always on a Sunday morning, but in those other times and spaces, like it might be friendships or microhubs or or on a Sunday when we do have that moment with somebody to just be a bit more like you know, okay, well what what do you think is going on with that or what what do you think god might be teaching mm. you through that or just having mm. those questions that are more intentional and mm. you know it's okay it's good for us to have those conversations isn't it and Absolutely. you know when there's the relationship mm. there for you to to have that and the, the permissions mm. there yeah mm. wonderful well thank you so much for joining us it's been an amazing morning i've learned loads and yeah the <laughs> questions have been great so thank you to everyone for your yeah, your contribution yeah. so yeah it'd be great just to give elizabeth another round of applause i think <laughs> <laughs>